we spend this time adoring our Lord, we will enter into our third talk of the day. If you remember this morning when we were together, we talked a little bit about the importance or the primacy of loving over thinking and how when we do that, we experience a certain joy and happiness. And so I think that makes a perfect segue into the topic for this afternoon. And so I have a quote from Teresa of Avila that deals with this, sort of short and pithy. She said, I am more afraid of one unhappy sister than a crowd of evil spirits. Now, most of you may be familiar with a similar quote, um, although scholars these days say that she probably never said it, or if she did say it, it's actually in none of her writings. From silly devotions and sour-faced saints, good Lord, deliver us. Um, regardless, it sort of has the same meaning, that for Christians, we're called to be joyful. We're called to be happy. We're called to be cheerful and have a good sense of humor. So you know anything about Teresa of Avila, as serious as she could be about prayer, she was a very, very funny lady and had a very great wit and sense of humor. And so that's what we're going to look at today, the meaning or the role of joy, happiness in the spiritual life. Once again, we're going to go back to, though, some of the, the false ideas We've talked a little bit about those in the other two talks we've given. But here's specifically false ideas that many of us have, and maybe we know it or we don't know it, about the spiritual life. So as we've seen, we've talked about, many people see their faith. Their Catholic faith is basically a set of rules and regulations. I've got to follow these rules and regulations, and I'm going to get into heaven or I'm going to follow these rules and regulations, and eventually I'm going to get tired of it and then want to do something else. But specifically, you hear people accusing the church, those individuals who see it as nothing much more than a bunch of rules and regulations. I don't want to be Catholic or Christian because it's a bunch of thou shalt nots. Thou shalt not do this, thou shalt not do that, thou shalt not do this. It's very restrictive. And they say, well, you can't have fun. You can't enjoy yourself. If you're going to be a Christian, all those wonderful things you're not going to be able to do. Some of you may know the song from Billy Joel, Only the Good Die Young. Now, this is not a very good message to the song, but it's the idea that if you're going to pursue holiness, you're going to, you're going to die young and your life's going to be miserable. You need to go and have a good time, explore things, have fun. And the people had this idea that Catholics don't do that. You know, I, I will often go to a restaurant, or I remember one time I was at a ball game and I order a beer or a drink, and I'm wearing my collar, and they're like, I can't believe it, a priest drinking. And I said, I'm not a Baptist. <laughs> and I said, the truth is, if Jesus wanted you to drink water, he wouldn't have turned it into wine. This idea that, that, that even priests and nuns never enjoy themselves. We're miserable all the time. The other thing that we have is the idea that saints are always serious. 
You know, in the stories we read about them, you know, Padre Pio came out of his mother's womb saying a Hail Mary. You know, that they never smiled and they always did penance and they, they told really beautiful little pithy sayings all the time. And, and to be holy, that's what it is. You have to pick up your cross and you have to suffer and you, you, you always going to be focusing on the passion, always thinking about heaven. And of course, if you're truly holy, you're never going to tell jokes or talk aloud because truly holy people only whisper. Do you ever notice that? I'm really holy and so I'm going to whisper. No! That's not the way it is at all. It, it, this idea that, that being holier, being a saint, is very serious. And the idea, I think, part of it because of the icons, the images, and the statues we see. You rarely see them smiling or happy. It's always very stern and serious. And then, of course, the big thing is there's not a real desire for heaven that a lot of people have. Why do I want to go to heaven? You know, uh, it's going to be boring up there. I won't be able to fish or I won't have my cat in heaven or whatever. The people are going to be sitting around in clouds playing harps. That's the idea that people have of heaven. That we die and then we get there and then basically we're just worshiping God all day long and mass is really boring for an hour so I can imagine how boring eternity is going to be if it's one long liturgy and adoring God. There's no laughter or no joy in people's minds and conceptions. And so there's nothing to desire. We don't desire things that we think are boring or drudgery or miserable. But that's the, the, the vision of Christianity that some of us might have, but at least it's the vision of Christianity that a lot of the world has. Now granted, they're, they're wrong in that, but quite possibly one of the reasons they have that vision is because Christians and Catholics have given it to them by not being joyful, by being too serious. And again, I'm not saying that seriousness isn't important. There's a time to laugh and there's a time to cry. There's a time to joke around and there's a time to be serious. But if that's all we are, and that's all we portray our faith to be, and we don't show the joy and the happiness that comes from following Christ, we're not giving an accurate witness of what Christianity and Catholicism is really about. So, so all of these things we've just talked about, the ideas that some people have about Christianity as being devoid of life and joy, of being a burden and a drudgery, is simply not true. One of my favorite theologians, uh, Hans Erzon Balthasar, who was a great Swiss theologian of the 20th century, had this to say. He says, the saints are never the kind of killjoy spinster aunts who go in for fault-finding and lack all sense of humor. For humor is a mysterious but unmistakable charism inseparable from the Catholic faith. Humor, joy, happiness, laughter, smiling, these things are unmistakable parts of the Catholic faith and that we cannot be ashamed of it. And thankfully, more and more, people are going and beginning to realize that. There are a number of books written about the humor and the mirth of the saints. Father James Martin, the Jesuit, wrote one of them. These are hallmarks of Catholicism. And that we need to realize that and be willing to live it out because it is only in understanding the joy of the gospel 
that people are going to really be attracted to Christ and Christianity. So why is it that we as Christians and as Catholics should be joyful? Why is it that we should be in a good mood and happy and fill with laughter and happiness? A number of different reasons, but the main reason is what we are celebrating today and what we've been celebrating since Sunday. The resurrection! Jesus coming back from the dead as he promised never to die again. This is the anchor of our faith. Paul said it, if Christ is not risen from the dead, your faith is in vain. But what a radical proposition. We believe 2,000 years ago, this man died a horrible death and three days later came back in a perfected body, never to die again. He conquered death and said that if we believe in him and are baptized, we can live forever too. This is a radical proposition. It's not a myth. It actually, we believe, happened in real time. So Christ has triumphed over death. He's given us forgiveness for our sins. He's opened up access to heaven for us. We are adopted sons and daughters of God. And as a result, we've been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who brings life and joy to our existences. We are the, the resurrection people. The people who are joyful because of this. And we're going to talk about what that means in a few minutes. And so I really think one of the reasons that, that Christians or Catholics are not as joyful as they should be is because they don't really believe in the resurrection. They profess it every weekend at Mass, but do they really believe? If someone came up to you and said, I want you to explain to me why you believe in the resurrection or I'm going to shoot you in the face, could you do it? Most Catholics would die because they couldn't do it. They believe because, oh, my parents taught me or I learned it in catechism. But they've never learned it and therefore that knowledge hasn't led to a deeper love and an encounter with Jesus, the risen Christ particularly encountering him in the Eucharist. Because in the Eucharist, we receive the risen flesh of Jesus Christ. And so it's true. We believe in this, and therefore it should be life-changing. Christ in his perfected body pouring his spirit upon us. That's why we say Easter is the time of joy. That's the time of great celebration. And if you've encountered the risen Christ then you're going to know that these times are of great celebration. That's why you don't do penance, or you, you, you don't do penance on Friday during the octave, because we're still celebrating Easter for eight days. That's the real key. We, during this Easter season, need to reclaim our belief, a vibrant living belief in the resurrection of Jesus. So what I want to do is take some time as we're meditating on this joy and resurrection as the source of our joy. And granted, there are a lot of other sources of joy that we can have. But it really is this. We're joyful because we're redeemed. We're joyful because Christ came back from the dead and has given us a chance for a new life. Spend some time meditating on that first Easter. Again, we, we all know Easter. We celebrated it a few days ago. But how many of us have ever really spent time praying about 
and meditating on what it would have been like in those first moments of the resurrection. Maybe what Christ experienced in his own body, soul, and heart. Coming back from the dead, there's his corpse, the spirit descends upon him, the, the body is, is, is resurrected through the gift of the spirit. The, clo- the, clo- the cloth, the shroud falls through Christ's body and he sits up for that first time and opens his eyes as the stone rolls away. Imagine the joy that Christ felt and that outpouring in the spirit. He touched his body, he maybe felt his hands and he said, I'm really alive. And that joy of going out to encounter others and tell people. An ecstatic joy that made him go out of himself. That's the joy that Christ would have experienced on the day of the resurrection. But so often, a lot of us have this idea, you know, the resurrection, we've seen the pictures. Jesus is coming out of the tomb and he's doing this, like a superhero. And he's never smiling. No, I'd be willing to say that Jesus smiled and laughed as he left the tomb. The, the, The devil's been beaten. Death no longer has victory. This is a time of tremendous joy. And then the happiness of Mary Magdalene and the disciples, they encountered Jesus the first time and realized it's really true. You heard that gospel reading yesterday, if you went to Mass, when Jesus is on the shore and John recognizes that's Jesus. Peter's so excited, he pulls up his cassons and he runs to the water to go and meet Jesus. Why? Because he was so happy to see him. Happy that his friend, that God, his God, was back from the dead. And, but we read those stories, we read those stories in a very serious way. But not seeing the joy and the happiness that should run through it. And in particular, take some time to meditate upon what we believe as Catholics was the first encounter Jesus had at the resurrection. The first time he comes out of the tomb, even though it's not written in scripture, who does logic say that he wants to talk to more than anybody else? His mother. Imagine that embrace. Mary's been weeping, but sitting there in faith to see her son, to touch his risen flesh, to hug him and embrace him. It was a time of great happiness. If there's a friend that's been suffering and gets well or someone that you haven't seen for a long time comes back to visit you, you're not like, hey, what's up? I'm very happy to see you. Let us give thanks to God. No, there's joy, there's happiness, there's celebration, there's cheerfulness. But we've got a problem in our overall understanding of who Jesus and Mary were. For us, you know, when you think of Jesus, Jesus is very serious. He never smiles. And when he's preaching, he's always very serious. A lot of it probably was influenced by that movie, Jesus of Nazareth. That whole entire movie, I don't know if Jesus ever smiles. He doesn't laugh. He's very, very serious. He's God. He's got business to do. And without a doubt, there were serious times. But if he was human, we believe our Lord would have laughed. He would have had a sense of humor. He'd have a great sense of humor. And then also, you know, Mary never smiles. I'll give a talk on this on the cheerfulness of Our Lady. If you look at all these images of Mary, the one thing you never see is her smiling. She's always very serious and very, very holy. Look at this image of Our Lady right here. She's not smiling. There are a few of them out there. In fact, there's one wonderful one I like. It's a picture of Mary, and she's tickling Jesus. I don't know if you've ever seen that. And Mary's tickling Jesus, and she has a little smirk, and the baby Jesus is smiling. That's what mothers do. They celebrate the, the, the joy of her child. You think of, like, meditate on 
the birth of Jesus and most nativity scenes. There's Mary staring at Jesus and Joseph staring at Jesus. And it's all very somber. And then, of course, the three wise men come and say, we're very serious here. We're going to give some gifts. Let's put our hands together. No! What mother does that? The mother holds the child, loves the smile of the child, enjoys being with her child. That's a much more appropriate vision and understanding. So I, I like the, the vision or that, that, that scene that you may remember from Mel Gibson's The Passion, that flashback when Jesus is making the table. And Mary's there, and there's a little laughter, and he flicks the water on her, and they both laugh and hug each other. That's what we need to envision. A humorous Jesus, a joyful Mary, that's the reality of what they're about. We need to rethink this so that we can rethink the resurrection, and in a certain sense, we can rethink our Christian faith. If joy is the sinner, we talk about the joyful mysteries, but yet when you think about the joyful mysteries, we never think of any joy. Mary comes to Elizabeth. Hello, Elizabeth, how are you doing? <laughs> Magnificat, animo mea dominum. You know, there's no joy there. Listen to what St. Jose Maria Escriva, the founder of Opus Dei, had to say. What must the cheerful way that Jesus looked upon people have been like? It must have been the same which shone from the eyes of his mother who could not contain her joy. Magnificat anima mea dominum. And her soul glorified the Lord while she carried him within her and by her side. O mother, may we like you rejoice to be with him and to hold him. Is that, that Jesus would have been a terrible preacher if he wasn't funny. If he didn't have humor. It's humor and, and wit that attracts people and makes us listen to them. And if Christ was the greatest speaker of all time, you better believe he smiled and was joyful and had a sense of humor. Otherwise, he would have driven people away. And so I really think, though, if I'm going to say in my time now working as a priest, a true sign of holiness, the true sign of holiness, you ask different people, well, they pray all the time. That doesn't necessarily mean you're holy. You know, they, they whisper, so they must be holy. That's certainly not a sign of holiness. Or they go to Mass all the time. These things might be it. But the number one characteristics that I think of some people that I know, that they all share, that I believe are truly holy, they're all happy and joyful. All of them. Maybe not all the time. Sometimes they might be in a bad mood. But they are joyful people. This is the sign of holiness. And the Scripture is clear. When Jesus talks about the Beatitudes, blessed are you, happy are you, we're not talking about the happiness of like going to the circus or eating a good meal. We're talking about beatitude, the blessedness that comes from knowing and seeing God. We can be blessed in the next life and on earth. The saints, we believe, were filled with happiness and joy. We just don't hear a lot about it. And go back to St. Lawrence. He's you know, getting roasted. He makes the comment, I'm done on this side, turn me over. That's humor. St. Thomas, the Aquinas, talks about the virtue of playfulness, that we are called to be playful, to make jokes. This is the, the, the delighting in the Lord. And of course, the holiness and the happiness of St. Therese. Imagine how pleasant it would have been to be around St. Therese, always making that effort to cheer people up, to smile and to be kind, and that she changed people's lives. You know that one grumpy nun, does always mean, she said, I'm going to be nice to this nun. So much so that after she died, the nun had a nervous breakdown because she missed Therese so much. Holiness is marked by joy. 
The holiest people that I know are those filled with joy. Like my friend that I talked about, Suzanne, who passed away, one of the few people I would consider a saint, always joyful, smiling when she saw you. Even when she was suffering from cancer, always willing to be happy and make sure that you were happy. One of the things that I can tell you is I do not trust people who are serious all the time. If you're serious all the time, I probably don't trust you. Now, I'm not saying that I trust people who are happy all the time either. <laughs> probably trust them less. But there's a, true, there's a difference between like, you know, I'm happy and I'm telling little sweet words versus someone who is truly joyful inside. I mean, wh why do you come to be with the sisters? Because the sisters are joyful. And we know that. You go and you go to great religious orders and you see sisters, they are happy. But yet, they're denying themselves so many things. If you really want to see happy sisters, go visit cloistered Carmelite nuns, or cloistered sisters. They're in this little enclosure, but yet they're so filled with joy because it's the joy that comes from the Spirit and living in the reality of the risen Christ. And there's also a tremendous joy, too. A saint is, is, is a sinner who's received God's mercy. And they've been open to God's mercy. Some of you maybe have gone to confession and received the Lord's mercy for the first time in a long time. Hopefully there was some joy there. That's why we celebrate divine mercy. That's why the sacrament of confession isn't a torture chamber. We go and we're clean. We come out and we know that we're filled with the Lord's grace. And so the joy comes from receiving that mercy and living the new life. But also, very importantly, ladies, that joy and that happiness, that cheerfulness, is a powerful tool for evangelization. If we're walking around mean and grumpy all the time, people are not going to be near us. In fact, we're going to drive them away. It's that joyful spirit, that smile, that cheerfulness that makes us approachable, softens hearts, and allows them to listen to us. Mother Teresa talked all the time about the cheerfulness of her sisters. She wanted those sisters to always be cheerful. And if you work with Mother Teresa's sisters, you know that's the case. Particularly cheerful in smiling. She said, I will never understand all the good that a simple smile can accomplish. Now, some people smile more than others. I understand that. But it's that expression of our joy that comes through our face. If you think of the word cheerfulness, the word cheerful or cheer comes from the Latin word cara, which means face. And so there's got to be that, I'm very cheerful inside. I'm happy, even though I look miserable. Well, no, the smile, the radiance of our face is going to let others know that we believe. And we're going to be drawing people to Christ, breaking down those walls. It's the joy of the gospel that Pope Francis talks about. He says, don't be a sourpuss. The gospel has to be joyful so that people want to believe it. If I come up to you and say, hey, I have some good news. You have to follow all these laws, and then maybe you'll get to heaven. No one wants that. But if I say I have some good news, Jesus died and rose from the dead, and you can live forever. And you can find true happiness on this earth. That's something that's going to attract people. Okay? Now, this does not mean that we have got to be smiling all the time. I have to smile all the time. Or that we have to be peppy and, and, and happy all the time. There are going to be some times that are difficult. 
There's certain of us in here who might struggle with depression or melancholy. That's a cross we may have to bear. But it doesn't mean that we can wallow in it. I'm depressed, so I'm going to make everybody else miserable. You take your medicine, you do what you need to do. And we all face difficult times. Mourning, the loss of a loved one, sadness, sickness that we might encounter. Difficult times. Divorce, families breaking up, children going astray. And a lot of the times, the biggest source of our sadness can be our own discouragement over our own fallenness, our own weakness and our sin, the shame that we feel. I did this big thing and I'm ashamed of it. I'm miserable. Or I made this mistake and I don't want people to find out about it. So I'm going to be miserable the whole entire time. And sometimes there are people, all of us, who really don't want to allow ourselves to experience happiness. We've had the opportunity to be happy, but we don't want it. We cling on to our misery. We think maybe I don't deserve happiness. Or we like to wallow in our pity party. We like to wallow in our sadness. But, but this is not what Christians are called to. Yeah, we're going to make mistakes. Yeah, we're going to suffer. Yeah, we have to pick up the cross. But amidst that, we can experience joy. As I said, joy is more than just happiness that comes from going to the circus or, 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 or seeing a beautiful day. Joy is something that is profound, that lasts even after the event goes away. That it's there, that it's present, and it's real to us even in the midst of suffering. Because the fact of the matter is, we cannot allow sadness and unhappiness to win. So if Teresa of Avila is going to say, she's more fearful of one unhappy nun than a pack of demons. That's because a very unhappy nun, or I would say an unhappy person, can cause a lot of damage, a lot of damage. Mother Teresa said that that sadness is like a gangrene that eats the soul. If we allow sadness and unhappiness to take over, it eats the soul. It destroys us from within, and it becomes much more difficult to find happiness and joy. That sadness and unhappiness causes division, particularly when she talks about sisters, sisters living in community. If you have one sister who's unhappy, who's miserable, who maybe has allowed the cynicism, the gossip, the criticism to come in, it's going to cause division. Others are not going to want to be around her, <coughs> but she can begin to pit other sisters against each other. And that can cause a lot of division. We see in our own families a person who is miserable and unhappy. The terror that they can wreak in a family. We don't want them around for Thanksgiving. We don't want to see them for Christmas. They're always calling and fighting and arguing because they are unhappy. Then ultimately, it really leads to despair. The despair that God could love us. The despair that we will be saved. I mean, really, we, talk, we think about hell. And hell, people are being tortured and they're on fire. And yeah, that may be the case. But really, hell's a miserable place. Hell's probably a bunch of people who are sitting alone by themselves in the dark, complaining that they're there. Complaining and whining and being miserable and separated. Nobody wants to be with each other. That's what hell is like. Instead of heaven, which is joyful and community and sharing the life and the love of God. So we need to be able somehow 
to find that joy, that lasting peace, even in the midst of suffering and trials. Something much deeper, the joy that brings interior peace no matter what happens around us. And if we lose it, to try to regain it. And I really think St. Therese gives us the best example of how to do this. And we're going to talk more about it uh, later on today. And her little way of learning to accept her own weakness and fallenness and never be discouraged. It's a wonderful quote. I am simply content to find myself always imperfect. And in this I find my joy. No matter what was happening, whether she was sick, whether she was being ridiculed, she never let it disturb her peace because she said, I'm imperfect. I make mistakes. This is who I am. But the Lord still loves me. I can still find joy in that. And so we're going to see that a little bit more, particularly the joy she found in the last days when she was suffering. And so we're going to talk more about it, specifically how to achieve this, how to, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of trials, no matter what it is, to allow it to bring forth life and joy that attracts other people rather than pushes people away. Because we've all seen people who've done that. And, and so this is the homework, ladies, as we kind of try to wrap this discussion up. I'm doing a pretty good job of keeping these talks to a half an hour. Again, I'm going to give you three things. Three things to pray about, three things to reflect upon until we meet again for our meditation in the evening. Where in your life have you allowed unhappiness, sadness to take hold? Where is it? What is the real source of unhappiness that might be eating at you, that kills joy and that kills peace? I want you to acknowledge it and give it to the Lord. Ask Jesus to please remove it. Number two, to spend some serious time during this Easter season thinking to yourself or asking, do I really believe in the resurrection? Could I defend my belief in the resurrection? More importantly, have I encountered the risen Lord? Do I truly believe, as the apostles did, that he's alive? Because if you do, there's got to be a sense of joy there. And third and finally is to ask for it. Asking you so receive, Lord, I, I have these struggles. I have this unhappiness. I want to be joyful. Pour your spirit upon me. Ask for that gift of happiness. Ask for the gift of joy and peace. Trusting the Lord will give it to you. So we're going to meditate on that as we spend some time in front of Jesus in the Eucharist. I'll be able to hear a few more confessions. And then uh, we'll prepare for our fourth reflection tonight. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. It was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen.